Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. It's a good day. Uh, I just think some of us need to be reminded of that. It's, it, really, it really is a good day. Uh, by, by the look of some of your faces, you are rejecting what I'm telling you. But uh, I'm telling you, here's, here's why, in my opinion. Your circumstances uh, may flat out just be miserable, legitimately miserable. But here's what I know is if, if you're still breathing, your heart's still going, well, that tells me that God still has something for you to learn, see, be a part of, and that no matter what our circumstances are like in life, it can be good. It still can be good. Don't be a person who's like, nope, everything pretty much has to be going great for it to be good. No, that's not true. And, and when you think about this, the idea that God is amazing and, and you want him in your life, maybe some of you are not there yet, but, but most of us, that God wants to be in your life and you accept that, each day can mean something. I hope you know that. Just wanted to remind you of that because I saw your faces and I did not, I didn't think you knew that. So now you know God's good. So we're going to go into God's word and learn from God about parenting, by the way. Uh, if, if you're new to some of this, you're like, I'm parenting. It relates to all of us because I'll tell you this. God's word says it. There are you and I, children. We are like children. God the Father, every single day, God parents you. Actually, whether you believe in him or not, he parents you every single day. And some of us are not very good kids. And so if you can own that a little bit, that you're like, okay, all right, then you can at least lean into this kind of parenting conversation as making it so personal as it's all about you, not you as a parent, but you as a child. Now, if you're parenting, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, if you're not parenting yet, please take notes and keep them in a place that you can refer to them. Uh, here's what we've been talking about as parents or parenting is the seasons. There's seasons. So if you're a teenager, guess what? Here's the secret playbook that uh, we as parents have. There's the discipline years where you start to teach your child that they need to be somewhat self-aware that they cannot just hit and go wherever they want to go. And there's that. The training years the self-direction, responsibility kind of life, the coaching years, 12 to 18, self-control, and the friendship years. Oh, the friendship years. Some of you are like, I'm, I still have not gotten to that part. Don't, we'll, we'll talk about that. Right now, I want to talk about the coaching years. We have not gone there yet. 
the coaching years. The, the season of life where we're talking about teens, teenagers. Yay. Now, now here, teenagers get a, a bad rap, okay? And, but you, you got to remember yourself. See, when we give teenagers a bad rap, that just means we're ignoring our own life as teenagers. Because not a single one of us was the great teenager that we're uh, thinking we were, okay? So let's just kind of loosen up a little bit. But let's talk about the teenagers because you might not be parenting a teenager. You, you, you might be married to the emotionally equivalent version of a teenager or, or you might work with one who's emotionally kind of there. And so we all can talk about this. So we're going to talk about the coaching. Here's a good coach cares about his or her players and their skill development and discipline. But, but to talk about coaching, I thought we should get in the mood, right? Let's get in the mood about talking about coaching. And, and there's multiple things I could tell you about and show you. But there was one in particular, that a, a video that went viral. Here's the, here's the history behind it, the details. The Little League World Series. I mean, we live in an area that really values Little League and Little League World Series. Uh, and, and there was a team that went to the Little League World Series. They, they, they lost. And ESPN, like, focuses in on the coach's talk. After the game, the team's there, I mean, they're, they're crying. I mean, it's rough. And the coach is there, and I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. You're like, what do I say? They're all looking at me, and they're crying. What do I say? And, and ESPN caught it. I'm going to show you just a little bit so we can kind of get in the mood of talking about coaching. Take a look. So we're going to enjoy the next two days because we deserve it. We've been going since the 12th, and we're going to enjoy it. Okay, it's okay to cry because we, we're not going to play baseball together anymore. But we're going to be friends forever, okay? Friends forever. And our little league careers have ended on the most positive note that could ever be. Okay? Ever be. There's only going to be one person, one team that's going to walk out of here, guys. World Series champions. Only one. Okay? Only one. Okay? We got down to the nitty-gritty. We're one of the best teams in the world. Think about that for a second. For the world. Right? So we need, to, we need to go see our parents because they're so proud of you, okay? But one more, I want, to, I, want to, I want a big hug. I want everyone to come in here for one big hug, okay? One big hug, one big hug. Then we're gonna go, then we're gonna go celebrate. Hey boys, then we're gonna go celebrate with our parents and then tomorrow we're gonna celebrate and then we're gonna come back home to a big parade, okay? Got it? Okay? I love you guys. I'm gonna love you forever. And you're giving me the most precious moment Okay, of my athletic and coaching career. And I've been coaching a long time, okay? A long time. I'm getting to be an old man. I need memories like this. I need kids like this, okay? You're all my boys, okay? You'll be the boys of summer, okay? So for the last time, we're gonna try to suck it up and we're gonna yell Americans, okay? One, two, three, Americans! Okay. I love that. I, like. Some of you, 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 you get in there and you understand, like the kids are crying and, and you're like, I understand why. And if you've ever been in that place and you've lost something that you've been really hoping for, and if you've ever been a parent or a coach in that situation, like, what do I, what do I say? Because I know internally that's what you're thinking. And you're like, I don't know what to do. And, and when you parent the teenager, confession time, you're like, what do I say? What do I do? And, and when you're thinking about coaching, you're like, you want you want the players to win. 
If you've never known that, that the coach, like the greatest victory is not perfection. It's winning and, and the kids, the individual players doing their best, right? And that's awesome and exciting. But, but how do you get there? And parenting turns into coaching. And here's why I say this, because sometimes as parents, we think that we can make all of our kids' decisions. We, we can play their game for them for a long time. Do you know the problem is that you will not be able to achieve that the rest of your life and then you set your kid up for failure if you do everything for them? So there begins to be a transition in parenting. Some of you are like, no, there isn't. No, there isn't. No, there won't be. It's, it's when you can't block every temptation your kid faces. Maybe at three, you can do a pretty good job. You can lock things down, but there comes a point that you can't be everywhere at all times and stop every kid from saying stupid stuff that they shouldn't say to your kid, and you can't stop your kid from saying stupid things to others or making bad decisions. You can't take the test, and, and you can't. There comes a point that you've got to transition where you help your child actually begin to walk their own life out. Some of you, like, you're hovering parents. You're like, no, just no. Can I just tell you that there's danger in that? In fact, I can tell you from witnessing this and talking with families, the families that control the most end up having kids that make the least amount of good decisions when they leave the home. So if you want your kid to thrive, you've got to get into uh, some significant conversations, and uh, you're not like this, where you start to back off a little bit and coach. In summer, here's coaching years. I think this helps. It's teaching your kids how to say yes and no. Again, some of you are like, well, I'll say that for them. This is how this works. No, it's not how that works. That's not good. you got to teach them what to say yes to and what to say no to. You have to teach them the power of declining something that they should decline, but they say it, they do it, and what they say yes to. The Bible gives us all of this wisdom before anyone ever came up with it. It's in the Bible. Uh, like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. See, this, this, this right here, this word control, I want you to see the word control because it's a big deal. Now, you and I don't like the word control. Like, control's bad. Control's this. Get rid of control. No, no. See, the original wording in this, because I'll, I'll nerd out for you, the original writer actually wrote restraint. And restraint begins to help us understand the power that, that for us to actually be okay in life, we have to show restraint. We don't live in a current culture where self-restraint is like, yay, self-restraint. When was the last commercial you saw? Like, hey, you should sow self-restraint. We just want you to know that. I mean, even the beer commercials pretend like they're telling you show restraint, but all the other footage is going to be about not showing any restraint whatsoever. You see, we don't live in a world that gives that message. In fact, here, this, this helps. In a time that encourages self-indulgence, we must encourage self-restraint. This, this is coaching where that, that person that you're coaching is able to make decisions in a powerful way. 
Now, I know that verse that talked about like the walls and everything. Well, that's a bit messy in today's culture because if you, well, let's just say there's some strong opinions about what you can build walls around. Anyone? No? Okay. Uh, there's, there appears to be just some bad connotations to the whole wall conversation. You're like, the Bible says build. Well, I don't, no, see, the reason there were walls, if you don't know this, the reason there were walls, two primary things is one, protection. Way, way back then in the Bible, if you didn't have walls, people came and killed you. That's just, that's exactly how it worked all the time, actually. They saw you as vulnerable enough to where they could take you. There, there was a protection, but also the prosperity. You could build a city, put up walls. You could, you could trade amongst yourselves. It, it created prosperity. So when the Bible's being written, they're like, hey, this is a good analogy. But now you and I are like, no, we should tear down the walls. And, and it, so I thought I'd show you what the message says that helps us a little bit. A person without self-control, without self-restraint, is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. Try that in a blizzard, right? You're like, no, thank you very much. And in fact, try this in the teenage years. You're like, no, we have lockdown in the evenings. Some of you should have had lockdown in the evenings. But hopefully this makes a bit more sense when you're thinking about if you want your kid to grow up and to be protected, to not be defenseless against their feelings and their emotions and just culture in general, if you want them to actually prosper, like to thrive in life, you have to teach the value, coach it, of self-restraint. The problem is, <clears throat> I don't know how to say this nicely, um, we as adults don't really have a lot of self-restraint. <laughs> in fact, uh, in one of the books I just, just read, it said that a third of Americans, listen to this, a third of Americans are currently in the debt collection process. Not just having debt, you caught that? They're being collected on. We live in a world now that just says, if you, if you feel it, if you want it, if you desire it, go for it. And we as parents even feel problems like, how could I not allow my kid to make their own choices? We, we don't understand the value. So I want to teach the value. I, I, the self-restraint, self-control. I know with our minds, we're like, yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Well, let's learn why it's a good thing. Here's one. Self-restraint helps you see reality. If you do not restrain yourself, then you will often come into a, a really a messed up fake reality. What you think is normal is crazy. But here's today's normal. Uh, what's big is small. What's small is big. I know some of you are like, oh, what? Okay. The, the, the news. This, this, can we pick on the news? Some of us are like, yeah, you can pick on the news. Pick on one. Well, yeah. Listen, why is it that we... Have, at least as a culture, know more about the Kardashians than we do about the global poverty problem in other countries. It's fascinating what we are drawn to and what we know about. Some of us know more trivia than we know scripture. And our world now will, will blow up things that should not be blown up. It's, just, it's insignificant, but then insignificant things ignore. And we live in that culture where it's like, I don't even know what's up and down and right and wrong. And guess what? The teens, the teenagers, are growing up in this. In fact, here, this is just an observation, personal one. I'll call it my opinion, okay? When to say yes and when to say no has become as confusing as ever. Some of you can remember an era when it was pretty simple what to say yes to 
and what to say no to. In fact, I remember growing up, uh, schools taught us that uh, all drugs are bad, and, and alcohol is bad, and looking at stuff you shouldn't look at is, is bad, and the Raiders are bad, and <laughs> I, I, well, I grew up in, you know, you were taught different stuff, right? There's, but you know that that's not normal now. If you talk to some of the older generations, what they'll tell you is, whether they intended or not, they, they leaned on the schools and the coaches and even the social circles to help establish what was good and what was bad. Today, it's way different. In fact, uh, I read pretty ugly statistic lately that just to help us understand this, um, a study was done by Barna, and they, they, they pulled 2,000 people uh, from the age of 13 all the way up. They asked them to measure morality, which is like, what? Here's what they did. They gave them a list of things that were society thought was wrong at different levels, and they said, put them in order, right? What's, what's the worst and what's the least worst, right? The older adults provided different answers than the teenagers and the young adults. To show you the difference, the teenagers and the young adults, they ranked not recycling as more immoral than viewing pornography. So for those of us who have just thought, well, teenagers will figure it out. They'll, their friends will help them. Their teachers, their coaches, society. No. And I would tell you it's probably as confusing as ever what is good and what is not good. And many of us are walking ourselves in blindly, I think, assuming that someone else is going to coach up the next generation and help them figure it out. No, no. We've, we, we, we. Here's a, a current trend. I think this, we, we call stupid things good and good things stupid. This is not new, by the way. I remember uh, going to a friend's house. This is when I was a teenager. This was not last week. Just so you'll understand the importance of that. Uh, this is when I was a teenager. So I pull up in the driveway, park in the driveway, get out of the car, go up to the front porch. My two friends are right there on the front porch smoking weed. Parents are not home. Um, parents were actually rarely ever home there. And, and they did what you would expect me to tell you right now. That they say, hey, David, you want some? Now, I knew in my head that I'm not supposed to. I had predetermined, okay, I know this has ramifications of bad things, and I'm going to get caught, and this is not good. And I had already been talked to by, by multiple people, hey, don't do that. So what I did is I offered back what you're hoping I said. I did. I said no, right? And their response was what a lot of us experience as teenagers. They're like, why are you being so stupid, right? I mean, whatever it is your experience was, this is just one of mine. Now, now for those of you who think, oh, wow, the pastor just said, said no to everything that was bad. No, I didn't, okay? I'm just telling you one of the really good stories in my life, uh, <clears throat> just so we're clear. Uh, but in this particular instance, I said no, and it was offered back my buddies. Like, these were, these were buddies. Like, why are you being so stupid? And I kind of went into this whole thing. I was kind of treating me like I was judging them. I didn't bring any of that up. I just like, no, I don't want any. We still live in that same culture where teenagers go to a party, go to a friend's house, hang out somewhere, and when they don't indulge, when they don't, when they don't go that direction, they're made to feel like fools. 
or even worse. In fact, if, if you're a teenager, please listen. One of the hardest things in life to learn is when you do reject what a friend is asking you to do. It's tough. It's tense. But you need to know all of us have actually walked through that. And if you'll say no to what you should say no to and yes to what you should say yes to, you end up staying on the right track in life. I know your parents have told you this. Uh, but let me tell you, you'll go to parties where they'll ask you to do something you shouldn't. And when you say no, they'll make fun of you. But there will not be a day you regret it later on. When you, when you actually stand your ground and you lock on to reality, what is true, what you're saying no to is not stupid, doesn't make you stupid, doesn't make anyone stupid. If you lock on to that, you will cherish those moments later on. In fact, I thought this part, this part, you should see something in the Bible that I, I'm concerned a lot of people don't know about. It's in the Bible, written by the wisest man to walk this earth. Every word of God proves true. In a world that's like, what's big is small, small is big and, and stupid is good, good, stupid is all messed up, it's all confusing. Like what's right, what's good, what's changed? What if what God said has changed? Every word of God proves true. If God said, do this or don't do that, lock that in as true, then not only that, every word of God proves true. He is a shield. Oh, in those moments of peer pressure, you want that shield. Like, oh, no. You feel like your world's imploding. You're going to lose all your friends. You're going to be ostracized in school, and all's going to fall apart. And you have a teenager come home and say, how was your day? It's the worst day of my life, Right? Teach your kids, he, he, God, is a shield to all who come to him for protection. You've got to help coach into the life of a teenager what to say no to. And many of us are leaving it up for other people to tell them. You can't do that anymore. You must establish what to say no to. Now, if you're anything like me, you're like, oh, yo, I got that. We got a long list of no's in our home. Oh, man, there's days, I'm embarrassed to even tell you this, that I think the only word I said was no. Like nonstop, over and over, no. And then my kids start to like, hey, that's the no man. Don't go to him. You ever feel that way? I feel that way. And, and, it, and it, later on, it actually feels defeating. And, and I'm saying no's are necessary. I've already made, I think, that strong enough a point. No's are necessary. You should have a no list in your home, okay? But here's what I've learned, and this has been a painful lesson. It's not just about the no answers. We need to coach when to say yes. Make sure you don't abandon and neglect the yes. Otherwise, your kids will grow up thinking life is all about no. See, there are things in life to say yes to. And I'm not just trying to give you a positive spin. It's just there's things to say yes to because what you say yes to impacts what you say no to. And so, yes, you should have a yes list. In our home, number one yes is yes to God. You need to know from the moment we ever became parents, even before, we were praying for our kids and we were praying one thing, that they would know God, that they would say yes to God. If you say yes to God, it doesn't make a, a pain-free life, but it gives you the direction, the forgiveness that you need, the hope in life. Saying yes to God is the beginning and the center. And if you are not currently coaching 
your kid or kids or your teammates or your employees. Saying yes to God is the best yes ever. I got to tell you, I have wept when my kids have told me, one, the first time, hey, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. That was the, I said yes. But you know that it's not just one yes. It's a daily thing. It is so much more fulfilling as a parent. Not when my kid acknowledges a no, but when they say yes to the right things. Make sure you're not neglecting the yeses. Do your kids know what are the top yeses in life? You can sit down with them and help them understand it. Reality is a big deal. We do not live in a world that loves reality. But that's not the only value of self-restraint. I'll tell you the last one. Self-restraint helps you see possibility. Reality can get depressing. My goal was at this point in the sermon, you just would flat out be depressed. Some of you are still on the whole recycling, more important than burn. Like, what in the world? And, and we're like, this is depressing. And you're like, and you feel like, okay, I got to help my kid know reality. And you're going to sit them down and you're going to scare them out of everything. Reality is important. Truth is critical. But then we begin to make choices. And we forget, don't we? We forget our possibilities. When we walk into moments and situations that maybe we caused ourselves, we begin to think, well, I guess I can't or shouldn't, or I guess this isn't for me. And as a coach, you not only say, here's reality. Sometimes it's, hey, you didn't have a good game. That was not good. You also explain the possibilities. Let me give you some wisdom from the Bible. So good. The godly may trip seven times. This, this is not in my notes of my sermon, but I really feel like it's important to say this. The godly, the people who follow God, love God, the Christians, the people who live the way God intended, the godly, they trip. Can we, can we just stay there for a moment? Christians are imperfect people. We mess up, we trip, we fall. The Bible even says a bunch of times. Some of you are like, seven times a lot more. And you're thinking just, you multiply that. But let's not read too fast through this verse without catching some of the most profound things. Everyone, listen, you will fall sometimes. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Christians get up again. Because there's a hope in Jesus Christ, meaning our circumstances don't have to control our feelings and lead our lives. We get to get up again and try again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Now, many of us right now are like, wicked, that's like an intense word. Do you know that wicked isn't as intense as godly, though? They're both intense words. So if you don't like that word, let's aim for this one. The godly. But you know, again, many of us are like, but we don't live in that kind of world right now. In fact, it's different. Our current trend, oh, it's all about self. Self-pity, self-doubt, self-defeat. If you haven't had a conversation with a teenager lately, some of you are grateful for that. But I'm telling you, it's a rich thing. I really believe, I am so excited for my kids. Because I, I think God has great things in store with them and through them. He's going to do great things. Same with your teenagers. And I, I believe that. 
but you and I have to deal with this. we got to help them deal with this. And some of you are like, oh, that's not a teenager issue. That's my issue. Many of us right now, you live in self-pity, self-doubt, self-defeat. Do not forget what I just read to you. The godly may trip, but they get back up. And we live in a current culture now where teenagers are so much wrestling with pity and doubt and defeat that they're hurting themselves. And you may think in your head, well, I wish they'd stop. Don't they know the value? Not until you tell them. And we've lost a a sense of what used to be. You know, there used to be this trend in America, and and even, I'd say the world, the whole world. There used to be a trend in all of the world where when you went went down, you crumbled, you you failed, you got back up. I thought you might want some examples. Let, let Let me show you. It's picture time, okay? Uh, there's Henry Ford. Now, I know some of you are Chevy people, and you're like, I'm offended by that picture, David. But, but just get beyond what kind of vehicle you like, whatever. Henry Ford. I mean, we can all acknowledge that Henry Ford, he brought something to the table. I mean, he changed our culture, at least in America, he, and he, he I did pretty decent for himself financially, uh, this guy. But do you know that before Ford, he failed five times, five businesses, he tanked? Five. Some of us would be like, I'd give up. Why oh, not? Okay, if you're, if you're not a Ford person, maybe you like to shop. Uh, Macy, Macy's, anyone? Yeah. Uh, you're all oh, the parade. Ah, yeah. You see, before Macy's in New York, and before that whole thing went big, he failed seven times. He tanked himself in the lost column seven times. But obviously, he got back up again. Let's go back to cars. Maybe you, you like Hondas. What's fascinating about this guy? So Ichiro Honda. Um, he was doing so badly, and you're going to think I'm joking, but I'm not. Uh, he applied to Toyota. No joke. He's like, this is not working. Toyota's working. Going to go there. Some friends and family got around him and encouraged him to continue going after what he was going after. And as you well know, he seemed to achieve it, maybe even greater. Okay, let's get out of the the shopping. Let's talk chicken. You like chicken? Yeah. I personally uh, love fried chicken. Uh, You know this guy. I mean, come on, the white suit, it's unmistakable. Uh, But this guy, Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? You may not love their fried chicken, whatever, but he did pretty well for himself. His recipe was rejected 1,009 times. But he got back up again. We lack this in our current culture. Okay, one last one for those of you who are like, I just haven't related yet. Okay, how about Oprah? Come on. If you don't know much about Oprah, one, she had her own show, but... But she helped make the lives of many people. In fact, some would argue that, that if, if she spoke about it, if she said it, all of a sudden she would make multiple people multimillionaires. Like you, I, by the way, some of you think I'm about to give you a bunch of free stuff. No, that's not the point of this illustration. But, but here's what she would do. It, 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 she would vouch for, for an item, something that was being sold or made, whatever. And that person, all of a sudden, it would be sold out. If she would recommend a book, that person who wrote that just all of a sudden became a bestseller. She is known to you and I as one of the 
probably most profound, influential TV people of all time. She was fired from her first news job, told she was unfit for TV. See, these kinds of stories help me. They should help you a little bit too, because many of us, your current life is full of self-pity and doubt and defeat. And you just think that because you have fallen down, that it's over. That's not the way it used to be. That's a current cultural thing. Not only is it a problem you and I face, but we must raise up the next generation and coach into them that they can not only know reality, but know their possibilities. Parents, have you been helping your kid know their possibilities or just pointing out the reality? And you're like, well, how do I help them achieve their potential or their possibilities? I'm glad that you asked. This. This is a model that will help you begin to help your teenager Live out their God-given possibilities. Teach them to control. Again, the self-restraint, self-control. Teach them to control their time. I know some of you as adults have no concept of time. I watch you arrive at church. You have no concept at all of time. Still, teach it to your children. How they use time is worth more than how they use money. You've heard the saying, time is more valuable than money. So teach it. Help them understand that what they do with their time is significant. I mean, in a world now where you can binge watch a show for three hours and you have no idea where that three hours went, or you can play video games for five and be like, that was just 15 minutes. No, no, it was five hours. We have so many things that can distract us nowadays and get us lost in time. you gotta, you got to help them control their time. Another one, the attitude. You're like, oh, thank you. I'm going to show that to my teenager. No, th- listen, listen, listen. You know, the, you know the best way to teach your teenager about how to control their attitude? is for you to apologize when you don't control your own attitude. And boy, many of us do. I, okay, I, I'll, I'll be the one that admits it. There are days that I don't control my attitude with them. But then there comes a point like, hey, I just want you to know I'm sorry for what I said, how I said it, what I did. I want you to know that. And they begin to learn that that attitude is unacceptable. you got to coach this. Impulse. The reason that we as parents don't coach this is because we don't like to live this. Do you know that when you go purchase something on an impulse, your kids are watching? That's why many of us repeat the same disasters that our parents went through. Teach them to control their impulse and teach them how to actually live this out, that control is significant. Let me, let me sum up. If, if you tuned out, let me sum this up. Reality and possibility. During the coaching season of life, whether you're parenting that or working with that or married to that, this. Reality must be defined. Reality must be stated. Truth must be there on the table. This is the truth. This is the current reality. State it, own it, accept it, but then get into the world of possibility, but what can be. And many times as a parent, I'm just going to warn you, you're going to deal with a bad reality and have to help them understand that reality doesn't have to stay that reality like that. Your kid will come home and have a failed test on their record a failed relationship, a poor decision. And you got to say, okay, that's not good. Let's now go to possibilities. One last thing about parenting in this season. 
A goal of parenting is to control your child less as they exercise restraint more. The coaching season is when this gets super, super real. Because your kids will begin to make choices that if you get back in and micromanage them, when they leave your home, they're in trouble. Parenting is you control a lot when they're one. I mean, come on. You control everything, just about, except when they slobber. That's just that's what they're going to do. Parenting is a slow step back. Not out of, out of like this spider or you don't want to be a part of it, but, but you're stepping back releasing some control. So let me talk directly to those of you who are currently parenting a teenager. Back off a little bit. Allow them room to potentially fail. But make sure you're not a parent that hovers because that leads teenagers to a fake, false reality. God does this with us. You know that, right? God, God defines reality. And then when you and I fall, helps us understand the possibility. As a parent, I think this is difficult. If you're leading a business, it's difficult too. If you're teaching, it's difficult. If you're a student at school, it's difficult. So I think... The best thing to do is just what I told you, what we say yes to is say yes to God. So I'd like to pray for you that if you are in this season or one day you enter this season, that you would own it the way you're supposed to. Let me pray for you. God, I've said this to you many times, but as a parent, I'm just incredibly inadequate. God, I think I acknowledge on behalf of all of us that we need you. We need your wisdom. We need your strength. We need your peace. We need your discernment. We need everything you've got. God, I pray for this next generation that's raising up, that, that the teenagers, Lord, I pray for them that you'll protect them, that you will guide them, that even in our own error, that you will lead them down the path that they ought to go, that you'll put people in their lives that will profoundly lead them the right direction, that will encourage them in the right ways. God, I pray for the teenagers that you'll give them a strength and a discernment in a very confusing world. Please help us that as we lead these incredible people. God, may your grace and mercy abound. Change the world through the next generation. God, do amazing things and miracles. Put us back on the tracks through them. God, you're awesome. You are always amazing, no matter what it looks like on this earth, you are always amazing. We acknowledge that, that you have full control, you have full authority, and that's why we come to you and have these conversations. We love you. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen.